Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're all here uh, to worship with us. And I'm continuing in the message series called Pressure Points. We're kind of right in the middle of this series. And the goal of this series is to actually look at a specific book in the Bible. And if you look at the image, we're going to be looking at the book of James. And if you look at this book, it's a kind of well-worn book. And that's actually what the Bible is supposed to be intended for our life. It's supposed to be a book that uh, it's a collection of books written by different authors, which are really put together by the Holy Spirit, and it's God's Word to us, uh, but it's not supposed to be something that we just have as a decorative piece. It's supposed to be something that actually guides us, shows us how to live. And so if you see this image, that's actually the picture of what God's Word is supposed to be, something that we open, and it's been tested, and we rely on it. And in this, we're looking at the book of James because uh, it really helps us look at what do you do when you face uh, pressure points in life? And I think we could all agree that there's different things in our life that can overwhelm us, weigh heavy on us, can stress us out. And God's word even wants to help us in the midst of those times. But not only that, that's actually where God wants to meet us. And we kicked off the series talking about where we experience growth in the pressure points of life. And when the pressure kind of increases and the heat gets turned up in life, that's actually a lot of when the times God wants to speak to us. And so it's really important in the midst of the pressure to turn to God and to hear from him. And if you do, you actually can gain a lot of traction and growth. And so when we look at the book of James, kind of the different themes, we were looking at the importance of pressure. Last week we talked about how do you actually gain growth, even in the middle of being tempted to do things that we shouldn't want to do. Or that we shouldn't do. And then this week, we're going to actually talk about the role that God's word uh, plays in our life. And the title of today is When You're Challenged to Act. And it's this idea of what do you do when God challenges you out of his word to, to live it out? How do you actually apply that to your life? What are the barriers that come uh, as we approach uh, the word of God? And I want to kind of start with this, this main question because it's related to this theme of, of the Bible and us. And the question is this, what can I do that will produce the best life possible? And that's where we're going to start today. What can I do that will produce the best life possible? When you connect to God in a relationship through Jesus Christ, you actually learn how to answer that question differently. And that's the process of following Christ. You decide that he has the answer to that question. And he actually determines what the best life is. And so the measure and direction of my life is no longer just according to my own standards. But there's this, this submission and this understanding that, God, I'm going to actually redefine what the best life is. And that's where God can begin to lead us and grow us. But we all answer that, that question differently. What do I need to do to produce the best life, the good life, one that I can experience blessing? And, and for us, along the way, along our life, depending on where you are, you answer that in different ways. Um, some people think the best life possible comes from great relationships. Great life equals great relationships. If you don't have great relationships, it's hard to have a great life. Okay? Some people answer it, uh, you have to have a great job. We spend so much time at work, and what we do with our time and the work of our hands, if we have something that is a, kind of a great job, that can lead to a great life. Uh, for some of us, it might be just treating people right, trying your best, being good, being happy, However, we define that. But what you find in, in the scriptures and what you find 
in a relationship with God, as you make Jesus Christ your boss, again, is that he defines what the best life possible is. And as he redefines that, we begin to make choices that kind of reflect this new direction, this new definition of what the good life is. And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. And the second question is kind of related. So if God defines the best life possible, how do we know what the best life is? Like, how do we discover it? Do we just kind of fall upon it? Do we just hope it appears like a genie? Like, how do we know? So the second question is this. How does God use the scriptures to help us discover the best life possible? So kind of the relationship between how God communicates to us. And if you've been investigating Christianity, uh, you know, as you come to church, the Bible's talked about, and you may have read it or you may not have in your own life. But if you're going to follow Christ, there's a point in your life where you decide that the Bible is now going to be your guide. Like you're actually going to follow it. There may be parts that you don't understand. There may be parts that you even struggle with, like whether that's right or not. But to be a Christian means that, you know, you put yourself under the scriptures because you know that God leads you through them. So there's this, always this battle of, am I going to do what makes sense to me and maybe what I'm comfortable with? Or am I going to do what the Bible says? And the real test of that is when we face things that are difficult. When we face things that maybe kind of pull us outside of what we're comfortable doing or, or believing. And so we're going to kind of talk about uh, all, all, that, all that today. Uh, so I was thinking kind of of our kind of day and age and in our culture there's no shortage of information, right? We, we are like on information overload with social media, with technology. Any information that we need, for the most part, we can, we can access at any point. But sometimes with the information overload, it can lead us to approach new ideas a, a certain way, right? If you hear something and you've heard it before, is my microphone making noise, strange noise, or is that just me? Okay, it's just me. Thank you. It's helpful. Like, I'm hearing ringing, but if you're not hearing ringing, it doesn't matter what I hear. That makes sense. Hi, everybody. Still here. Just going to push, push past. So we're going to talk about kind of the, the scripture and the role of that in the midst of this information, in the midst of this information age, because it's actually a struggle to kind of know how to sift through ideas because we're so bombarded with them. Okay, so looked at the first two questions, and then what I'm going to do in the second half of the message today is I'm actually going to leave the stage, and then I've invited Jeep Underwood to share some of what and some of how God has used his word to challenge him and to change direction in his life. So I'm going to give you kind of the biblical basis of God's word and how it guides us, according to James, and then the case study is going to be Jeep. He's going to tell us what, what that's looked like. So look forward to, to hearing from him. So let's kind of kick off, dig back into the book of James. And here's kind of the main umbrella point that I want to start with. And that is God, God's word guides us through pressure points. Okay, we, we've kind of seen that we deal with pressure points. They come at different times. They look differently for us at different times according to different people. But whenever we face the pressure... God actually wants to use his word to guide us in the midst of it. Not what we've heard, not what we've grown up with, not just an idea that we have. But he actually wants to use his word to guide us in the middle of the pressure. And that's helpful. Because when we're under pressure, we need guidance. 
And that's what God's word wants to do. It allows us to know how to move forward in the midst of things. But to actually allow God's word to guide you and to change you, there's certain things that James is saying in the, his book that describes what you need to do, and it's certain attitude and it's certain action. So I want to I highlight that. So God wants to grow us through the pressure. He wants to use his word to do that. But initially, the only way that that can happen is if we approach his word with humility. And that's kind of where James starts off from where we left off last week. And so we need to approach God's word in humility. In James chapter 1, uh, verse 19, uh, this is what he says. You can see it here on the screen. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Many times the scripture has practical implications for how you should relate to somebody else. If somebody's talking to you, you want to be quick to hear them. You want to be slow to respond or react to them. And you want to be slow to anger. But in the context of what James is talking about, this is actually connected to the, the following verse that I'm going to walk us through. And that is, how do you hear from God's word? Like, how do you hear when God wants to speak to you? It's actually the same principles. Well, you, you actually have to be slow to speak, slow to anger, and you have to be quick to listen. That's how you can hear what God wants to tell you. Okay. So this is where James is saying, if, if God's word can guide us, we have to approach his word with humility. Now, we all have people in our life right now or in the past that have told us many things and we've, we've not listened. Okay? What, what are ways that you know somebody's not listening to you? What are some ways? They don't look at you, right? With cell phones now, I mean... Why would you ever listen to anybody? Have you ever been talking to somebody and as they're talking or you're talking to them, they, they just, they're looking at their phone. You're like, oh, I wonder if they're like, you know, writing notes on what I'm asking them. <laughs> this is kind of strange. I'm just telling them about my day. I wonder what's so important about what I'm saying. You know, we live in a time where technology, it's, you know, people aren't listening if they're looking at their phone, right? Uh, if they're not looking at you. You know they're not listening if they just are talking when you're trying to talk. They can't listen if they're talking, just like I can't listen if I'm talking. So what James is saying is there's just this, this natural tendency in all of us to not want to listen. And he's describing the person that not only doesn't want to listen, but you, you become angry at sometimes what you hear. And this is really interesting in the context of God's word because what he's describing is is when you're filled with your ideas about what you want to do and what you think you should do, if anyone is contrary to that, we, it tends to make like an emotional reaction out of us. It tends to get us kind of, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I want to do what, what I want to do. And what James is saying is if you're quick to speak, and if you're quick to become angry and you're slow to listen, you're going to miss out. And if you're filled with anger because you want to do what you want to do, you're, you're not going to be guided how God wants to, to guide you. And so we don't listen to people when... We have our own ideas about what we want to do, and it, somebody tells us something different. We also don't listen if we don't think the source is credible. If you've ever asked for directions, and somebody gives you directions, and you're trying to track, and 
they're like, you know, see the sign. And then there's like a little flower. When you see that flower, then you, you know, when they start giving directions like that, you get concerned. It's like, is this a credible source? Can I actually track what they're saying? And I know for me, I've asked for directions. And if, if they start giving like complex, turn northeast, I'm like, and then I'll get back in the car. My wife says, do you know where to go? I have no idea. I have no idea what they were saying. Sometimes it's credible, but I just can't understand it. That's another reason why we, we don't listen. Uh, sometimes we don't listen because we think the, we're the exception to what people tell us. Somebody was trying to give you advice and you kind of shut down inside. Like, I've, I've heard that before. You ever done that? I've, I've heard that before, so I'm just going to nod and just tell you. I've heard that. And it looks like this. Right? We're not listening anymore. And then another thing is just, like I said, we're, we're not teachable. It's really hard to listen to other people instruct if we don't want to be instructed. If we don't want to learn anything, we don't listen. That's how it goes. This like defines a lot of like family dynamics, does it not? Parents and kids, right? Teachers, students, bosses, employees. At the core of this is communication, listening, learning. It's all in the mix. And this happens to us with God as well. We approach his word like that. God wants to guide us, but as we open the scriptures, oftentimes what we're saying is, I really want to listen. I have my own ideas. I have what I want. And so on and so forth. And so James is saying, if you want to hear from God, and if you actually want it to help you, you have to approach his word with humility. You've got to be teachable. You've got to realize that God has something to tell you that could change your ideas. I was thinking about social media, and we are like oversaturated with information. And so we're, we're overloaded and we're also overly emotional. If you've ever been on social media, it's, it's so emotive. It's reactionary. Somebody posts something and it's a reaction. And people react to the reaction. And then people react to the reaction of the reaction. And that's like what it is. And that's how we are with God's words. Like, God, I want to live for you. And then he tells us to do something and we react. But not that. You can't do that. So we can miss out. So James is just taking it back to the, the basics. If you want to hear from God, you've got to approach his word with humility. The second thing he says is to actually allow God to guide you, you need to set your hearts to hear and apply the Bible. That's the guidance. It actually guides you somewhere. It takes you down a path. And this is what James says after what I just read. He says, but... But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, this is where... The Bible separates itself from other books and from other just information that we may have in life. The Bible comes alive, not as you just learn more about it. The Bible comes alive as you actually do it. 
So James is saying, once you approach it with humility, and it's this idea of a God, you may have something you want to tell me that may be different than an idea that I have about what I should believe, how I should see my situation and attitude, what I should do. So your attitude is key to hearing from God, but then James goes further and says it's not just about hearing. You need to hear it, but you're listening with the intent of actually doing it. And I was thinking in my own life, we had this this kind of ongoing thing in my family where my mom would constantly tell us, like, did you hear what I said? And my answer for the most part was, yes, I heard what you said. And it was something like, clean your room. Did you hear that I said to clean your room? Yes, I heard you. You heard me? And then, you know, what comes next? Well, why isn't your room clean? And it would be this discussion like, oh, you meant like today, right? And, you know, oh, like, like clean it, clean it. And that, that's how we approach God a lot of times, kind of like a parent. Like, you know, okay, God, I, I hear what you want to say, and I'll get to that sometime. I'll get to that eventually. What James is saying is you are deceived if you think that just hearing something changes you, Right? Because let's face it, how much do you remember from being a student? And some of you are students right now. Have you ever been to a class and you just heard a bunch of stuff and you thought that just changed my entire life? Right? No, we, we usually don't remember. We forget. In fact, like, I could ask you what last Sunday's message was about and you probably would forget. I forget. Sunday afternoon, I've forgotten. And I told it. So we're just in the nature of we just because we're overloaded, we just kind of our brain can only fit a certain amount of information. What James is saying is if you hear it and you don't do anything about it. You've just heard something and it's not changed you and you're actually deceived. And this deceit is kind of this idea of the picture in the mirror. What What I think is, have you ever been somewhere and you've had something like on your face, like you ate something and you had something on your face? You've ever experienced that? Like, you know, you eat a sandwich, you get like mustard right here, you know, a little mayo, or you eat some cake and you've got like the icing on it, right? And you have this time where you're walking and you're talking to everyone and you're asking everyone how they're doing and maybe you haven't seen them in so long. And you get finally the person that says, hey, you've got some mustard right there. And then what goes through your head? I talked to 17 people. Why did they not say anything? Or well, the worst is like the little spinach. It always gets, you know, spinach right there. And you go home and you look in the mirror and you see it. And you're like, what? Like, you guys ever experienced that? And what James is saying is, is you're like the person that has something on the face. If you just hear the word of God and do nothing and you don't think anything's wrong. And you just think, uh, they call this cake face. Mustard cheek. Like it's not normal, but we're deceived. We don't know it's there. So you need to approach the word with humility, but then you need to realize that you learn and you know and you hear in order to actually do and to, to live it out. And that leads to the next point that James brings up. The blessing is in the doing, but then the last thing is let God and his word continually rearrange our priorities 
if you set up a pattern of hearing the word of God and doing it, and you hear more of the word of God and you do it, and you hear more of the word of God and you do it, and you keep living it out, what happens is you become a different person. And your priorities are different. And James briefly describes what that looks like in 26 and 27. It says that if anyone thinks he's religious, that is the sight of outwardly, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Again, the idea is if you're spending time in God's word and soaking it up, and you keep hearing about like how to not just say what's on your mind all the time and not just vent in anger to anyone who would listen. What it's saying is there's a point in which it actually needs to change the kind of person that you are. But if you think of this is just external and it doesn't change you, then it's, it's, it's worthless. It doesn't make any difference. And then he goes on, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so James is writing in a time where the early church is trying to figure out what to give time and attention to. And you have people that have been spread because of their faith. They're all out of their hometowns. You've got families scattered, families separated, families that have died, widows are alone, kids that don't have parents. And he's saying, like, if you want to really see if the word of God is making a difference, how are you caring for the people around you? How does it make a difference in your speech? What are you doing differently? Because many times what happens, we face pressure and we get overwhelmed. And the first thing to go is, is obedience to God's word. Because our default is, I just want to do things my way. I can't handle this. I'm just going to do it my way. And it's in that moment that that's actually where God's word becomes real and true for you. If in the middle of the pressure, you decide that you're going to do what God says, even when it's difficult you actually have something worthwhile. And so I want, I want to invite Jeep up, and he's going to just explain this uh, from his own life. And most of you probably know Jeep. This is Jeep Underwood, and he's been a member of Church in the Valley a long time. One thing I know about Jeep is when I talk to him, oftentimes he shares, come up here, Jeep, I'm going to talk about you, and you might as well just stand next to me while I do it. Uh, one thing I appreciate about Jeep is him, his willingness to share uh, what God is doing in his life, how he's challenging him. And many times as I'm talking to Jeep, he'll share a scripture that kind of God's put on his heart that he's trying to, to wrestle with. And so I sent him an email last week with questions, and I want to put these up here, and then he's going to share. Um, what does this look like? So I was explaining, I'm going to be talking about applying God's word to your life. So if you could answer these questions. So how does God's word change your thinking? How does it impact the way that you live? What are the struggles you face as you try to hear and apply God's word to your life? And then what advice would you give to someone who's just starting to read the scriptures? So Jeep is going to kind of share just from his own life uh, the answers to these. And then I'm going to come up and close out our service. Thanks, Jeep. Morning, everyone. Uh, As you said, my name is Jeep Underwood. And uh, I'm more of a storyteller than an item lister. So I'm going to just tell tell a few things. You know, about... uh, Actually, right at 20 years ago this week, <clears throat> I was at a retreat um, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, with the USC Christian Challenge Ministry, which are some of the folks that aren't here this morning. They just left this morning to go on that same trip, uh, except they're going to a different location now. <clears throat> and I remember uh, I took 
uh, went up into the mountains there in Colorado Springs with a couple of friends, and we all took our Bibles, and we kind of got lost in the woods, and, and we just wanted to just spend time um, just trying to connect with God and being in nature. And, and I remember I was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and right where I was reading was the part where, uh, where God has come down on Mount Sinai, and it looks like uh, it's like thunder and lightning. It freaks everybody out. Everybody, they fall down, they, they fall on their knees and they say, go find out what he wants and we'll do whatever he says. And so Moses goes up on top of the mountain and God tells him this. He says, I have heard the voice of the words of these people. They have done well and all that they have spoken. Now what they just said was, find out what he wants and we'll do whatever he says. And then, and then he says this, God says, oh, that they had such a heart that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, for then it would be well with them and with their sons forever. And what struck me there was the word O. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking, I had never really understood where God was coming from <clears throat> right until then. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God is longing for me to obey him. He's longing for me to obey him because he wants me to have the life he wants me to have. He wants me to actually have a good life, and he wants my kids to have a good life. And so just kind of give me a perspective, like, where he's coming from. And, and over the years, over the past 20 years, there's been a lot of decision points, a lot of things you're trying to figure out. You know, uh, I didn't have kids then. Now I got kids. So you have to learn, how in the world do you raise kids? And so I would, I would, I would did, I'd look to the Scripture, find out what God had to say, and I would try to put that into practice. You know, how do, how do you handle it when, uh, when you have an unreasonable boss? How do you handle that? That's one of the things I had to deal with. Uh, how do you handle it when you're passed over for promotion and you feel like you really deserved it? There's just a lot of things in just real life that I've had to learn how to deal with. And what I want to do is I just want to share, like, something just in the last, uh, within the last year, <clears throat> excuse me, that God, uh, God really helped me through. And that is, you know, about it. About a year and a half ago, I became the assistant chief of our engineering division where I work in the engineering company. So it's like the second in command. So I became like second in command. And the guy who had the job before me, I was there for about a year. Uh, the guy who had the job before me gave me a two-page to-do list, like single-spaced, two pages, big pages. And when I passed the job on to the next guy, I gave him a two-page to-do list. And that job, that pretty much, it pushed a two-page to-do list into the future all the time. Hundreds of things got, got done, but there was always about two pages of things still to do, and it was a daunting job. And at the same time, you know, I'm a father uh, and, a, and a husband. I've got responsibilities in both of those areas. I've got responsibilities in the household. I also have just ministry responsibilities, uh, just here at the church and also just personal ministry and connecting with people's lives. And There's just a whole lot going on. And about a, about a year ago, actually last April, in the middle of this job, I found out there was something that I missed. Uh, someone had forgotten to put on the to-do list when I, when I first joined, is that the engineering division was in charge of the company picnic, which is like a 300-person picnic. And so many logistics to that. You know, 300 people, they eat a lot of food. So you, you know, where in the world did you put 300 people? So I had to figure out location, figure out food. It, had to, and it was going to happen in two months. And the only reason I found out is they said, have you got it figured out yet? <laughs> what, what's figured? What? <laughs> what am I doing? And so then I found out I got two months, and we got to pull this off for, this whole, for the company. 
Uh, you know, the menu, the location, there's the soundstage, the system, the awards they pass out, uh, and fundraising. You're supposed to have, like, for months doing fundraising to pay for the whole thing. <clears throat> and so I was a little rattled, putting it mildly. I, I really just felt like I got really overwhelmed. In fact, it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite comedians who has five kids. He said, you know what it's like to have five kids? He said, just imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> and so <clears throat> that, that's, <clears throat> that's exactly how I felt because I felt like I was had my head just above water. I was keeping things where they needed to be. And then someone handed me a picnic. And it was just so and there's so much working. It, it takes a team of about 15 people to pull it off. So I was listening to a speaker, right? Last April, I was listening to a speaker. And he, he was speaking on Joshua 1, 8, and 9. Uh, Joshua 1, 8, and 9 uh, were verses that I had memorized years earlier because they were, uh, they were so important. They, and they just, they just seemed to be really something I needed. And uh, what he did is he, he took a lot of things out of those verses and he helped me see some things that I hadn't seen before and as strongly before. But the verses are simply this. It says, uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Uh, but you shall meditate on it day and night always, uh, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go that's all a God quote talking to Joshua just as he was taken over after Moses and with the speaker what he did is he said you know in, that, in the passage when it says uh, when it says careful to do all that God has commanded you, he says it really means like following exactly, like finding out what God says and then really being careful to do it. And then when it says strong, what he means is from the Hebrew language is to get a firm grip on your responsibilities, get a strong, firm grip on your responsibilities. And then the third thing, when he talks about courage, really what he's talking about is acting with valor. Acting with valor, you know, is something that you just would very courageously lead the things you're dealing with. And then he turned it on its head and he said, the reason that God has commanded us to do these three things is because that's where the enemy attacks us. He said what the enemy usually does is he comes in and he attacks right at your courage. And he gets you discouraged. And then when you get discouraged, you start letting go of your responsibilities, which causes problems. And then when you have more problems, you get more discouraged, which causes you to let go of your responsibilities more. And you kind of go into this really kind of a spiral until finally you're at a place where you're not even really following what God says very much anymore just because you're so discouraged about life. And I realized that that is where I, I realized that I was, it wasn't just hard. I was actually having, I was under an attack from the enemy just trying to take me out of the game. And I had this real strong desire <coughs> just to, uh, to just, uh, not deal with this picnic very, very much and just kind of let things happen. There was just this, this pull in me to do that. But I made a decision. I listened to that, and I made this decision that I was going to do just that. I was going to get a firm grip on this. I was going to lead courageously, and uh, I was going to watch. Because also it says, I will be with you wherever you go. That's what God said. And just watch how that turns out. So anyway, to get started on this group, <clears throat> each of our divisions all – uh, volunteered somebody, which means they told someone they're on the team. 
And if you I remember walking into the first thing, we have our first meeting, and if you've ever tried to lead something where nobody wants to be there, it's not an inspiring moment. In fact, the closest I could come to it would be when I was a jury foreman. <laughs> no one wants to be there, and you have to somehow get these people to a decision. And so I walk in there, and I was really discouraged at the end of that meeting. And, again, I went to this, gosh, no one even really wants to be here. And I, and I thought of this verse, and I went, no, you know what? I, i got to get a firm grip on this. So what I did is I just went through all those different areas, the, menu, the food and the drinks, the, the location, uh, the kids' activities, all these different things, uh, location. And I put down all the tasks that I could see needed to be done. So I went to the next meeting, and just before I got to the next meeting, the, the, our leader of our company, who's, he's a colonel, uh, I work for the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, calls me into his office and he says, you know, Paul, which is my real name, uh, he says, you know what, uh, what I want is we haven't really had much of a family focus. I want this picnic to just be a family focus. I want people to be able to come here and enjoy their families, enjoy each other, and not have the stress of work. I want this to be a haven. Okay. So then I, I led the team, and I said, okay, guys, this is what, this is what the colonel said. <clears throat> now, I don't know what's going to happen at this picnic completely, but I do know one thing. We're going to have fun. That's our, that's our mantra. We're going to have fun. And I don't think anybody ever said that before at a Court of Engineers picnic. But I said, this is the vision. We're going to have fun, and we're going to enjoy this. And so and I asked everybody to sign up on what they wanted to do. Then, you know, there was a lot of problems. As we went through the next two months, there were so many difficulties. The bureaucracy involved with one agency telling another agency that you can bring 300 people to their facility is insane. I'll just leave it at that. And then the taco caterer. We decided to do tacos. Went through five caterers before we got someone that could actually do it because people kept bowing out. They would do it, say they would do it, and then they'd bail. So like a week and a half beforehand, I'm calling around going, could you do tacos for us? So, And every morning I would wake up and I would pray and I would say, God, I just pray that you would help us, help me figure out what we need to do next. And what I saw happen is as we're working hard on this and the team's starting to get engaged, God actually gave people a mind to work. He got people interested and he also started accomplishing things around me that I wasn't even making happen. Other people were getting involved, things, and things started moving. Um, then uh, we had the picnic, and it turned out very, very well. It was actually probably the funnest one we've ever had. Uh, I even enjoyed it, too. Um, and after it was over, the colonel came up to me, and he shook my hand, and he said, he says, you know, I didn't give you a lot of direction. He said, but this was exactly what I had in mind. Thank you. And I said, you know what? Well, well you're welcome. I said, and I just mentioned the team and everything that people had done. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I know that. And I really appreciate everything you guys did. <clears throat> now, six months ago, I got a new job. And this job is, uh, it's more, it's not really so much in the administrative. It's more in getting projects done at a higher level. And it fits me so much better. But, when I was interviewing for that, the leader of our company was on the panel. And I don't know for sure, but I think the way the picnic went off had swayed him in his decision to give me this job. And so I just, there's just a lot of things came, there's a lot of good that came out of this uh, picnic that uh, I did not really enjoy, uh, didn't really want to do. What I've noticed is that over time, when I do what God says, in the long run, it turns out well for me. I've just seen that. I watch uh, just my kids 
you know, no one, I, I don't have perfect kids. They don't have a perfect father. But I've, I see things in my kids that I'm excited about because I think some things are going well. And I'm encouraged with that. I see some things in our, I just see things around me coming together with work, with just where we're at in life. There's just a lot of very good things. A lot of them tie back to decisions we've made along the way. So the last thing Alex wanted me to share is just, you know, what advice I'd give to someone who's, who's just starting out, getting started in the scriptures. And I would uh, just very quickly, I would, I would just think to Luke chapter 6, where Jesus simply said, paraphrased, he said, come to me and listen to me and do what I say. And you will have a well-built life. And so I would really encourage each one of us just to come to Jesus, to pursue him, passionately pursue him, to get to know him and what he's like. And I would, uh, then I would listen. Well, you, you come to him, listen to him. And what that would kind of look like is just make a habit of daily devotional with God. Make a, listen to some talks like I did last April. Just start listening to talks here at the church, but listening to some different talks, get some ideas, maybe some input from other people of good speakers, begin listening. And then make make the decisions you're facing a point of study in the Scriptures. So if you're trying to figure out how to raise kids, take that to the Scriptures. Find out what the Bible says about it. If you're trying to figure out how to deal with an unreasonable boss, find out what the Scriptures have to say about that. And get advice from people that are further down the road. They've dealt with a lot of things that you're dealing with now. Get some advice. They point you to some scriptural truths that really help you out. And then come to him, listen to him, and then do what he says. John 13, Jesus said, um, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Knowing doesn't really do much for you, but it's what you do with what you know. So really put into practice the things that he said. And the last thing would just be Amos 3.3. It says, how can two walk together unless they have an agreement? And what you're going to find as you you connect with God over time and you're listening to him, you're understanding what he has to say, you're going to find times along the path where what he says to do and your opinion on what you think you ought to do are different. What you want to do in those situations is go his way. And... uh, it will go well with you and with your sons forever. With that, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to ask Alex to come back up. Thanks. Thank you, Jeep. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to do that and have Jeep share because, at least for me, you need to see, if we're talking about living this out, you need to see somebody who's doing that. And... That's what God wants to do in all of us. He wants to give us his word and the truth and perspective. And then as we begin to kind of where we're at, begin to apply it, it begins to change, change our life. And so I just wanted to encourage you kind of on the front end as we're talking about kind of growth and how God wants to meet us in the pressure. You cannot go around the scriptures. You can't be changed without the scriptures because that is God's guidance to us and that's that's a lot of where the power comes from as we walk with him is what does his word say in the moment that gives us kind of what Jeep's talking about the courage to to move forward and so uh, at Church in the Valley you may have noticed that we do messages a certain way and we talk about practical things 
And that's really because of this. Because we know far more than we do. Right? I know in my own life, I know far more than I live out. So most of the time, it's not that I need to know more. It's I need to help learning it how to take what I know and actually living it out. And so as a church, that's, that's where we want to help all of you. And that's why we, we do messages that are practical in specific areas so you can find out what the scriptures say and then figure out how do you actually live that out in your work or in your family life, in your finances and the different areas. Because that's how he leads us. He doesn't lead us generally. He actually leads us specifically. And the Bible has so many specific things uh, to tell us about the best life. So thanks, Jeep, again, again for sharing. I want to wrap up. Speaking of applying... And uh, there's uh, next steps that we encourage every week. And that's part of this idea of giving you a chance to hear and then apply. So I'm going to invite the band up. But if you could pull out the connection card that Ben had you fill out. And if you've not yet finished filling that out, go ahead and do that. If you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you this week. Uh, But there's some next steps that you can take today in a response to what you've heard. And the first one, this is like, this is either... freebie or you're going to hate it and it's blank it's like what are you going to do i don't know you have to decide like what you're going to write in there like is there something is it just i need to carve out some time to read the scriptures because i can't do it because i'm not reading it and if you've never read the scriptures you could start the bible in a jar okay that's john acts romans if you just feel like i don't know even know where the books of the bible are you can actually look at the table of contents in your Bible, okay? If you don't have a Bible and you have like a smartphone, you can download the Bible app by version, and you can just type in the book and it will bring it up, okay? So if you've not started just reading the scriptures, you're going to want to start there. And then there may be some of you that that blank is you know that there's something that God's told you to do, and it, he just kind of keeps bringing up. He keeps, keeps putting his finger on that. And, and maybe this week and this month is the time to actually do it and the second is to memorize james 122 a great way to know what to do in the moment and how to apply god's word is to actually have it on your heart the key way of doing that is to memorize scripture where you don't even have to open the book it's right there and you can remember it just like what jeep's saying in the moment of uncertainty and fear him knowing that in joshua he's told to be strong and courageous and that the lord is with him wherever he goes That's the truth you take with you in the moment. So as you memorize scripture, that really gives you more strength and more courage. And then last but not least, you can take a next step, which is to read the scriptures. And this will be connected to what I'm going to talk about next week. So you can take these next steps, finish filling out that connection card. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive our offering. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, which is powerful but approachable and it's relevant and it also is rooted in history. And so we can see the testimonies of people that have decided to live it out your way and have been blessed by it. So we stand on the shoulders of people who've heard your voice that have lived before we have lived, but they've trusted that voice and they have obeyed and the fruit of their life as we see in the scriptures or just as we see in relationships, that calls us forward. So God, help us to face the fears that we have of change or uncertainty 
anxiety, not knowing how things are going to work out. But help us to settle it right now that, that we are willing to do what you tell us to do. God, we want your word to trump any other word that we hear. We want your word to be what calls us forward. And so we ask, God, that you'll give us really the ears to hear and a quietness in our spirit to not want to speak over the things that you want to tell us. And so we, we need your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.